everyone thanks so much for downloading or streaming this episode and of course for listening it's really great to have you with us i'm jamie i use he him pronouns and you're listening to the proper full-on gay podcast that show where we talk about heartstopper with really great queer charities and other amazing guests from all over the world today i'm so pleased to welcome back a longtime friend of the podcast and um, therapist author podcaster and all-around badass emily marinelli how are you jamie i'm what an intro oh my goodness uh i'm i'm doing great i'm so happy to be here thank you so much for having me again i'm em marinelli and i use they them pronouns welcome back em has guested a few times um, with us in the past most recently on the show that kicked off season two for us when we picked our top moments from the entire the entire season if you haven't listened to that it is really great i really do recommend you head back and take a listen after you listen to this one it was great fun to record it even got a little bit teary we did we did we got a little bit emo we needed to it was great yeah why don't you introduce yourself for anyone who maybe hasn't listened to any of your past episodes? Okay, great. Yeah, so I'm Marinelli, uh, they, them pronouns. I am a therapist, also an author. I have a book coming out next year called Comfort Sequels. It's about movie sequels from the 80s and 90s. And I do love Heartstopper. I'm a huge fan and love being on the show and being able to talk about my most favorite show. And also, um, more recently, I'm joining in with a project where we're editing a book about Heartstopper. So we're going to be asking for anybody who might be interested in contributing an essay or an idea or an art project or just something related to your love of Heartstopper. And we're taking ideas and inquiries. And just to get more information, you can contact us uh, at tuckerdspress at gmail.com. And um, I'll add that into the show notes jamie as well if that's okay just for anybody who wants to to contribute or get more information or share ideas that sounds so exciting it sounds so exciting what is it that inspired that idea well really just you know having conversations like with with what you're doing with this incredible podcast and having conversations with friends and and also queer and trans youth that i know and just getting really excited about all of what the show has generated and so telling our stories telling you know sharing ideas with each other the art that we make from the art that we love and wanting to put that into some sort of collection. And so this um, indie publishing company in the in, in the U.S. is interested. And so we all just collaborated and are, are putting it together. So we're not quite sure what it will become yet. It's in its early stages. We're brainstorming, but we want to brainstorm with other people who are might have ideas and are interested, too. Oh, it sounds so good. It sounds great. What was the email address again for for listeners and for myself? Yeah, the, the email address is tuckerdspress at gmail.com. That's great. That's really good. 
Before we get stuck into the show, I just wanted to take a minute, a very quick minute, to thank listeners for tuning in and for listening again. We've got listeners now in 110 countries around the world, which is just totally humbling. And many of those places can be so hostile to queer people. So it's so lovely to be able to spread some queer joy and to talk about Heartstopper and share it with so many people. It's all thanks to listeners like you who stream and download episodes, who hit subscribe, who rate and review. All of these things are really important in helping other fans find the show so keep it up i really 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 appreciate it i've had a few listeners actually ask if they can support the show through buy us a coffee or a patreon page i'd actually prefer that you just support the charities that we work with so you can find that list on our website properfullongaypodcast.com or it might be better that you support queer youth charities in your area so wherever it is that you're from in the world they all do amazing work supporting queer young people and they often rely on volunteers so um, you could offer some support by volunteering some of your time or by making a donation and help make the world a better place if you do want to support the show the best way to do it is to keep listening to hit subscribe and to rate and review as i said before it makes a really huge difference and you can also find us on instagram facebook and now tiktok i feel like such an imposter tiktok (laughs) what jamie get it that's amazing I don't even know like I'll have to check what our name is on TikTok <laughs> like it's terrible I don't know <laughs> we're getting a lot of views on TikTok but no followers but that's kind of how TikTok works you know what mm-hmm. I mean yeah I mean I think I know <laughs> I think I, I know, know how TikTok works <laughs> I'm, just, like, I'm too old for TikTok everywhere like on instagram facebook and on x former twitter um you can find us at proper full on gay podcast and on tiktok it's actually at proper full on gay pod so yeah go and like a few of our videos that is something else that really supports the show too and help us find our audience so yeah should we get started oh my gosh yes let's do it i'm so excited Just one content warning for today's episode. We talk about Charlie's disordered eating towards the end of the episode, even though it isn't directly referenced in any of the scenes. So just to let you know that that's going to come up. What was it that um, you enjoyed about this episode? It's such a good one, isn't it? Like, this is great. Such a good episode. So much happens and it's it's right after, you know, they've all, the the museum, the Louvre sort of big moments at the museum happen and then... A lot kind of culminates in this episode that we're going to get to talk about, which I'm so excited around Taryn Darcy, of course, Nick and Charlie, um, and around Isaac. And there's just, there's a lot that happens in a short amount of time and some spicy things too. It is. It's so good. There's so much packed in and we get, this is it. It's a really good episode that kind of ticks a lot of story arcs over doesn't it yeah. like it just continues to build in a lot of story arcs it does really what was the highlight what was the if you could pick one thing what would the highlight oh be goodness. what is the highlight oh, it's so hard okay know. you know what's coming to my mind and I don't even know if we're going to speak on it in the in the show so I'm glad you asked me this my favorite moment in this whole episode aside from um the teachers is is when Nick gives Charlie uh like a a, a, a ride on his back down the hallway do you know you know which moment I'm talking about and it's so cute and he's playing like which way am I meant to go and you know and they're just playing and there's just this sense of levity and love and freedom there's a lot of moments with Nick and Charlie in this episode of of a kind of queer freedom and liberatory love that that shows up and that's just one of them and when I think about this episode isn't that funny that's what I I think about that a lot what's yours how about yours 
It's very similar, actually. And I love that you say that there's so much in this episode is about finding freedom and about um, expressing yourself freely and things Mm -hmm. like that, because it's so true. And we see that a lot in this episode with Tao and Elle. Like whenever they're out and about in Paris, we really see Tao's playful side. (laughs) We get this really playful Tao that we haven't seen before that at least hasn't come across in the same way that it does in this episode. So that was one of my favorite things is is watching Elle and Tao just be really coupley together and be really playful. It was just a joy to watch. It was really good. favorites. Yes, I love them so much. Mm. For sure. Should we get stuck in? Yeah, let's do it. So we open the show with Nick and Charlie, who have just trekked across Paris to finally catch up with Nick's dad, Stefan. As much as this is about Nick, for me, like, I really love Charlie in these scenes. The way he supports Nick is so beautiful. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of dialogue. So I've picked just a few moments that really stood out. Should we have a listen Mm -hmm. to the first one? Yeah. Would you feel better if I went here? No. No, please come with me. This is my dad, Stefan. Uh, this is my... I'm Charlie. Nice to meet you, Charlie. Coffee, coffee. Ah, uh, look at Ah, great. So good to see you in Paris. You never visit. <laughs> when he was younger, he would visit every summer. <laughs> when do you graduate? Must be soon now. I've still got two more years left. Ah. <laughs> I would have invited you this summer, but Martin is having this new kitchen fitted. The apartment is a mess. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, I'd still like to meet her sometime if you wanted me to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps someday soon. Hmm? I feel really sorry for Nick. He's tried so hard to set this meeting up. It was never really going to go well. But yeah, I feel really sorry for him. I do too. And, you know, this is, this is the first time that we're really seeing his dad. I mean, we have some idea of who he is because of, right, him trying to set up this, this meeting, which was very complicated to do. And then this is the first time we're seeing him and it's a short scene. Like what you just played is almost pretty much the whole scene, right? There's not that much more. And in that short scene, so much is being told to us. Like the writing is really good here because there's so yeah, much information that we gain about their history and about also just what the dynamic is like between the two of them and just who his dad is, really. Yeah, I know. It was really fascinating. Like Stefan's comments and Nick hasn't visited um, in years, but then he acknowledges that he hasn't actually been invited. He hasn't been invited. I know, which must be so hard for like a teenager to not feel welcome by your own dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the excuse that he gives for this summer is that like they're having their apartment refurbished, like a new kitchen. But I don't think Nick would mind. You know what I mean? Right. Who ca- It's not about that. Right. And and it's the, you know, it's that that thing of like almost being blamed for not coming to visit. But really, n- if you're exactly. not invited, it's a subtle, quiet blaming but it, but if you're not invited then of course you're not going to come and you know and and that he doesn't know when he is going to graduate I mean we really get the yeah. sense that Stefan isn't tracking Nick Nick in his life and of course this is such an important setup for you know what happens in in the next episode um around yeah. him coming to visit um at the house so yeah it it's really speaks a lot to 
what their dynamic is and really what it isn't. Yeah, definitely. And also that little piece of knowledge about Stefan's new partner. So mm -hmm. Martine, I think he said her name was, and they clearly live together, like they're sharing this apartment and it's being refurbished. But Nick has never met her, which means that it has been a long time since Nick has visited Paris. That's right. It almost implies that the visits, Nick's visits or Nick's invitations to Paris stopped when Stefan met his new partner mm -hmm. whenever they got mm -hmm. serious. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then... Instead of like asking questions about Nick, he just makes small talk about Paris as if they're passing strangers. You know, that's the kind of coffee shop conversation that you have or a, the chat you have whenever you check into a hotel. It isn't what you talk to your son about if you haven't seen him in years, you know? It is very removed. It's almost like a perfunctory, like exactly like you just said. It's a it's a more of like an acquaintance or a, it doesn't, yeah. it, they're, they're not close. He doesn't know what's going on in Nick's life and Nick's world. And that must be, I, I wonder what that's like for Nick to be face to face with that and then be sitting next mm. to Charlie, who is just such an important part of Nick's world and does know so much of what Nick's world is about. So here he is with yeah. these two people who have such different understandings of who he is. Uh, his dad, who he's known probably for his whole life, but not really. And then his boyfriend that he hasn't had for that all that long, but who knows him deeply. So this kind of juxtaposition, I wonder what that's like for Nick to be sitting with in this moment. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. And of course, the reason that this meeting was so important to Nick was so that he could introduce Charlie to his dad mm -hmm. as his boyfriend. So it must be really disappointing from that perspective. Yes. And, and that there's just so much distance and so much disconnect that how do we, how to, how can that possibly be bridged? Um, and I mm. think in this moment, I, I do still see in Nick's eyes, I'm curious what you think about this, Jamie. I do still see his desire for connection with his dad, like a, a, a continued hopefulness that it could happen, that, 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 that the connection could be there, but also some disillusionment again setting in that and disappointment that this just once again isn't going to happen um that maybe his dad isn't going to be the dad that he wants or needs him to be or that even he deserves him to be so both a desire for connection but also a disillusionment at the same time what are your thoughts about that oh i i agree 100% i agree and we see that desire for connection right the way through this conversation to the end and it even carries through into episode 7 mm -hmm. when Stefan comes to dinner at their house like yeah. all he wants is to connect with his dad and it's quite painful to watch in a way you know yeah. anyway let's have a listen to the next part of their conversation you doing okay I think so I'm sorry boys something has come up and I just can't get out of it uh, was good to meet you Charlie wonderful to meet one of Nick's friends. Yeah, you too. Well, that was fast. I really thought I could talk to him about you. It's okay. There'll be other chances. He just doesn't... He doesn't know me. I mean, he knows I like rugby and... That's it. Let's walk back to the coach. You can rant about him the whole way there. 
It's hard. In French, I didn't include the French. Maybe I should have for our French listeners. I probably should have. Sorry about that. His dad's comments about how women like rugby players and that whole assumption of straightness. And then the odd remarks comparing him with David and talking about how many girlfriends David had whenever he was next age. Mm. It's just really weird. Like I find the whole that whole end of the conversation quite bizarre in a way. Yeah, it's kind of like reinforcing like this is who you are. This is who I know you to be a rugby player who is straight and you should be like your, your yes. should be like your brother. And I'm making an assumption that you're like your brother. But Nick is not like his brother. And, you know, sort of sexuality aside, okay, he plays rugby, but he's also his own person. <laughs> he's he's yeah, his own person right. who likes different things in the world. And, and that his dad is not taking the time or doesn't have the capacity and has limitations and is not getting to know who he is and but right that assumption that's heteronormativity assumption that happens for so many of us and so many youth yeah right? that, that, that it's there gets reinforced again and again for sure that's it and his dad is just kind of filling in the blanks with what he does know about david mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like he's just <laughs> filling in the blanks and it's hard to hear nick blame himself like he in in that little conversation with charlie he talks about how he really thought that he could talk to his dad about Charlie and it's like well he didn't really have much of an opportunity during that conversation you know what I mean I mean he did the I mean he could barely say anything about anything we visited the Eiffel Tower we did the, it, it was there was no chance and and it, and it wasn't the moment it wasn't the moment and that's you know, it and I think this is still in in this time of the seat of the season where Nick is trying really hard to come out, you know, that sort of pre he, mm -hmm. he had the pressure to come out. And then Charlie was like, it's OK, let's chill. Let's just have fun in Paris. Let's not worry about That's that. Right. But I think that is still in Nick. And I think with the added pressure of not seeing his dad very often, he's like, well, I better do it now. <laughs> when is it going to happen? Charlie's right here. And Charlie yeah. is just this constant reminder of like, it's totally OK. I got you. I'm here. You can rant all the mm. way back to the coach. It's all good. Like. Just do what it's you so need to do. Sweet. It's so sweet. Charlie is yeah. really showing up for Nick this in this way. And he really does this season a lot. I really love Charlie's support of Nick this season. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. A lot of that pressure to come out to his dad is actually because he's probably worried that David's going to out him mm, to his dad oh, like he threatened to do, yes. you know, yes. which is hard too. And what better time whenever you're face to face with your dad in Paris? Like he hardly ever gets these opportunities and it's just cut short. It's terrible. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. It's hard. Should we move on to our next bit? Yeah. This is a happier bit. So <laughs> we cut to the, we follow Nick and Charlie to the hotel and they're struggling with a Where's Wally book with Isaac. What a struggle. That's so funny. It's hilarious. I love them laying all together looking at that book. It's so classic. It was funny. And Isaac's like, have you still not seen him? <laughs> it was hilarious. Adorable. It was really funny. Let's listen to Tao's news. I have something to share. Me and Elle kissed. No way. No, yes! no you didn't. No, no you didn't. We kissed. <laughs> So proud of you! Oh my god, Tao, you have to tell us everything right now. Well, she kind of initiated it. I, I, I literally just went for it, and I thought it was a mistake. But it wasn't a mistake! And then we kissed again. I, I kissed her that time. Oh my god, you did it! And then, the third kiss was like, amazing. <gasps> Three times! This is the best thing that's ever happened! Wait, so what does this mean? Are, are you two dating? 
I don't know. We literally had our first kiss like five hours ago. So you need to talk to her. I'm going to text the girls. Wait, wait, hang on. Wait, what are you sending? Well, we should explore the hotel. You have to ask him to be your boyfriend. I'm sure he'll say yes. I don't know. It's it's too too soon. I love that moment. It's so exciting. I'm obsessed. And every time, like, I had to mute myself while you were playing that because every time it plays, I scream. Like, I get as giddy <laughs> as they do. Even now, I've seen it so many times. It doesn't matter. It's so funny. Like, when Telfer says it, I just, I just like have to like muffle <laughs> myself because I'm screaming. And then the girls do it, and then I scream again. It's just, yeah, it is. It's like that that new love info when Intel breaks in a friend group, and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. they did what? And waiting for this, and everyone explodes like it's so much fun. And I love the like shared community love and excitement for them, yeah, finally being able to like realize this together. And they've had such a struggle, the two of them, you know, like, are, are we, aren't so we, do we have a crowd? Do we, wow, is this gonna mess up our friendship, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And this. This the community support and like let's all go explore the hotel now together. Yeah, what a great like we're we, we're all in this. We've all got you and like of course they want them to be like boyfriend girlfriend all right away and they're like um that's a little but everybody's <laughs> on board and it's adorable and it still makes me giddy. It is. It's so well done. It was so well shot too. The way that we got both both yes. perspectives from the girls' room and the boys' room. You know, it was really really great. Yeah. Really good. Should we listen to that next bit whenever they go off to explore the hotel? Oh, so so Charlie has a plan to get them together. This is so that they can like reaffirm their relationship status, I guess. So they head off to explore the hotel. Nick goes off with Charlie, Tao goes off with Elle, and Darcy with Sahar leaving Tara and Isaac. Darcy definitely is not ready for a follow-up conversation with Tara about mm -mm. what happened at the Louvre. Mm -mm. No, not yet. With hindsight, we get a real sense of what Darcy's going through at home. If we flash forward to her comments about her mum making her hate herself, mm. and you can really see how she's finding it difficult to talk about. But it must be quite confusing for Tara in this moment where Darcy runs off with Sahar and leaves her on her own. Yeah, I think so. And I you know, and there's so much to say about about Darcy and where Darcy is and and what we know and what we don't know and what and what Tara knows and Tara knows and doesn't know. But I like yeah. Tara so much. Like, can I just say, like, when when Tara and Isaac go off, um, I, I my friends and I have a game we play where it's like, who would be your best friend on Heartstopper? And like resoundingly, everybody <laughs> chooses Tara because Tara, because um she she's like such a great friend. Like she's just mm -hmm. always there. She's just like, I feel like she's one of the like biggest hearts of Heartstopper. Like she really yeah, is, she is so supportive of Charlie. She's so like, I don't know. I feel like she's got your back, you know? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, and she's so solid. Like Tara is solid. Like she's, she's well-grounded. She's got a great outlook. She's always got this really she always seems so composed you know yes i think she's also like really attuned to people and checking in with that's them. right and like you know do you need anything again she's such a huge part of the roots of the tree oh my goodness i'm going back to talking about the trees but so you know, true. she is really she is really solid um and so yeah. yeah so i think it's really confusing that she has some idea that there's something going on with darcy but darcy's not there yet to be able to talk mm. about it and I think there's so much you know shame I think there's embarrassment and and mm -hmm. you know of course we find out later about Darcy really wanting to 
perpetuate and continue this image of confidence and that she's really yeah. got it all figured out and she's you know confident in her identities and wants to hold that space for Tara and mm -hmm. can't and but also can't in some ways because at being the internalized homophobia that happens makes it hard for her to talk about how much she's struggling and so this yeah. is such I mean you know we see beginnings of this as they're exploring the hotel and then of course later on in the truth or dare moment and what happens mm -hmm. in the bathroom but you know I think a lot of young people have this experience of having such a hard time and internalizing messages of self-hate and of um, negative self-image and negative self-talk because of family because of other people in their lives and I'm really glad that Heartstopper is touching on this. And I think it's not just about Darcy's queerness. I think it's also about mm -hmm. Darcy's what sort of things around gender, you know, of Darcy yeah, yeah, dressing maybe. up in this really amazing suit for prom and mm -hmm. having that be just completely unacceptable. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more I could say about that and the purple and the energy of the purple around her house. Yeah. Um, I know that's not what is happening in this moment, but but I was <laughs> I was just doing a rewatch recently, and I noticed that when Tara goes to Darcy's house during the prom, um, Dar Tara is actually wearing all purple, which I didn't. Oh, I didn't notice that. I really realized that if you look really closely, like this, she's got this gorgeous dress on, and um, she's yeah. got some some things in her hair, and they're all everything is some version or some shade of purple or lavender. Um, and I mm -hmm. feel like it's kind of um, like a an answer to like a like a sweet and and loving answer of purple to the purple at the house, which is a sort of brewing purple of negativity. I feel like it's the love that's brought to that. Um, yeah, swirl. for sure. I love that. Mm -hmm. so I, I love that. About that. <laughs> yeah, I know I just went off really on a good. whole tangent, Jamie. Thank oh, you for fine. receiving that. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. I wonder if the purple is is linking the anxiety that Darcy feels, not just with the house, but also with Tara. Almost this, she's almost scared of Tara finding out about her relationship with her mom mm -hmm. at home. You know, mm -hmm. so I wonder if the purple is is to do with that too, where it's suggesting Darcy's tension from both sides that yeah. she's she she doesn't feel safe at home, but she doesn't feel like she's ready to open up about it with with Tara because she feels like a bit of an imposter almost, you know? Oh, I like that take a lot. It's kind of representing both sides of that and, and how she's mm. holding it for herself, right? Not being able to yeah. share it with her, with her partner, with her best friend. Um, mm. And she's holding that all of all inside of her and it's brewing around and around. And then mm. I like that. That's a really nice take. I'm curious to hear too. Um, I guess, is it in the next? Ep no, it's in eight. What? Which episode does is the prom? Is it seven? It's an episode. Eight. It's eight. No, it's okay, where we leave that's the right. Show. It's yeah. eight. Yeah, I'm curious to hear too what what that how that conversation goes in that um in your podcast episode for that one too. Kind of different people's takes on purple and what happens. Oh, for sure. That. I'm curious. Um, I love talking about colors. Yeah, we've got two great guests lined up for that episode. Episode eight is going to be the Proud Trust. So Molly's back with us from the Proud Trust, oh, and we've actually got a new partner called Harmless. Harmless are a UK charity, UK-based charity that specializes in supporting 
people who self-harm. So they're the National Charity for Self-Harm and, and Suicide Prevention. So it's a really great duo that we've got coming up for episode eight. So do keep an eye out for it. It's really fantastic. That is a perfect, that's a perfect partner for that particular episode as well. Like, um, yeah. wonderful. I'm really glad that's happening. Good. Yeah, it's really good. Let's listen to the audio anyway from, I think we get Nick and Charlie first, or do we get, we get Tawanel first maybe, and then Nick and Charlie. So, like, are we... What were you going to say? Uh, I, I, I forgot. <laughs> You even think about giving me another hickey? I wasn't thinking you about so that. You so are. <laughs> How are you feeling? Fine. Charlie, you literally fainted on me today. But how are you feeling about seeing your dad? You wanted to come out to him? I know I've been stressed about coming out, but I don't think I realised how stressed out you've been about it. I get stressed about everything, you're not special. Charlie. And it doesn't matter how I feel about it anyway. It's your coming out. You're the one who's going Charlie. through it. It matters to me. Boys, it's past 11. You should be in your room. Go oh, Mr. Furick is so strict. <laughs> they got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a great moment, though. Talonel first. They're both so funny. Gosh, they're adorable. I think I've been waiting for this, Jamie. I waited, waited I for know. this. It's so great. Um, and again, that there's so much freedom with them and like yeah, liberation. Right. It just feels again that the themes of that freedom, liberation, love. I feel like that's really what's happening in that hallway where they're kissing each other and kind of going back and forth and like, what you're doing? Definitely. Okay, let's just kiss. Who cares? Let's not talk. We've been waiting. We've been talking and talking, talking. Let's kiss. <laughs> For sure. Tao was totally about to ask if they were dating, like if they totally. were boyfriend and girlfriend, but mm -hmm. he didn't. Anyway, he does that later on. And then we get a slightly heavier moment from Nick and Charlie. Really touching, though. Like, they're so sweet together. They're so sweet. And, and this is, again, I feel this wonderful shift this season of not just Nick being the sort of protector archetype, making sure Charlie's okay. Is he okay? Nick is definitely doing that in this scene, but Charlie's yeah. coming right back and saying, hey, but you saw your dad today. Like, you yes. wanted this. How are you doing? And yeah. and that, that's sort of, there's a lot more sort of, I, I see balance between the two of them really showing up for each other and supporting each other. Definitely, definitely. Sometimes I wonder, though, like, do they not just want to enjoy the moment instead <laughs> of getting, like, all heavy all the time? You know, like... <laughs> These conversations are so important, but sometimes just relax and enjoy totally. a kiss in the hallway. Yes. You snuck out, you're in a hotel, you're in a corner, make out a little bit. Yeah. Not every conversation has to be deep and meaningful, you know, <laughs> although it's important to have them. You know what I mean? We heard them get interrupted by the teachers, Mr. Fruk and Mr. Jai, who have popped out for some snacks. I love this moment. Let's have a listen to their conversation. Couldn't have let them off. Pretty sure I did the exact same thing at that age. Sneaking around like that. With a boy. You never did anything like that. 
can't figure out your game to your late twenties. Tend to miss out on us. Beautiful gay teenage experiences. Hmm. Probably a bit late for me to have any youthful moments of discovery. Don't think there's an age limit on those, to be honest. You flow, mummy. Hey, B. What a beautiful piece of representation. I really love that moment. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful it, between the two of them. And it makes my heart stop. And I squeal. Like when I listen yeah. to it, I squeal the same way that I squeal when I get giddy, <laughs> like we were talking about before. Because yeah. it's this first moment of them really like acknowledging, okay, there's, yes, we're both queer and yes, mm. something. And there's flirting and maybe something's happening in front of this Mentos and Orangina machines yeah. right it's like so funny <laughs> so funny as this backdrop like here they are in in this doing this hilarious thing together with all of these kids and like you know <laughs> and it's like yeah. here they are kind of you know vibing each other and it's so sweet the conversation between the two of them it is mr ferg is really putting himself out there you know with sharing his story about not finding his queerness until he was older and missing those romantic teenage moments you know, that's an experience that a lot of people in the community um, go through. They experience that even yeah. for people who find their queerness much younger, who, who don't come out for whatever reason. Or maybe there aren't many queer people where they live because they mm -hmm. live remotely or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. it's such a common experience in our community. It really is. And and I and I think in that way, it you know, I'm seeing Mr. Farouk as kind of looking at these young people having this experience and going, hmm. You know, I I wish that I had that right, and 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 then it's a little bittersweet maybe to see, but also beautiful for him to see. And then Mister Jai is like, well, <laughs> or we could have it now, <laughs> right? There's, so I, there's just yeah. this way of like of him saying like it's okay and it doesn't matter, and almost like the yeah. read is like it's never too late to still have fun, youthful. Um, exciting, exactly. consensually beautiful moments um, with someone that you're interested in and how adorable that they're, yeah, at a pop machine, like flirting almost like they're it's young. It's so funny. <laughs> I know being all flirty, but not like Mr. Shea isn't being pushy at all. He's just no. being lovely. You know, it's He's great. Being He's being it lovely. Really and, and that representation I agree with you, Jamie, is so important. And like, it's it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter. But also some of us in the community may feel a little bit of a heart pang or a little bit of a of a sense of, oh, I, I wish that I had had that, right? A longing yes. for having had experiences when we were younger or understanding things about ourselves younger or whatever the reason that it didn't happen the way it's happening for Nick and Charlie or for whoever else. Um, so it's, it can be both. And I really like how the scene and their relation, their relationship or whatever is happening between the two of them is holding that those stories 
definitely it's really good it's really good at breakfast the next day we see the group singing happy birthday to tara she's turning 16 exciting on her on their trip to paris and we get to see her unwrapping some gifts she's got an iconic darcy t-shirt a beautiful painting that l has painted of her i just love how those kind of details are woven into the show that l is on this journey to becoming this iconic artist and yes. going to art college and She's gifted Tara this beautiful portrait of her. It's really lovely. After that, this is a moment that you picked. The group splits up to explore Paris and they visit the Arc de Triomphe, some bookshops and a a few of the other sites, including what seems to be um, Paris's gay district or queer district. You picked this moment. There isn't any dialogue. It's all music. So we can't (laughs) we can't actually include it in the audio. But what was (laughs) it that you loved about this? Well, what I love about this is uh, this is the moment. So they're walking, they're walking around and they're being coupley and um, Charlie and Nick are, Nick just takes Charlie's hand. And this is, I think, one of the first times where I feel like Nick really embraces who he is in a public, in a sort of a different way, in a public way. Um, And Mm. he can do this by looking around and seeing queer people around him, a kind of adults or people of all ages who are free and also holding hands and being themselves. And I feel like it unlocks something from in him that allows that freedom, right? Like we keep coming back to that freedom to just be. Um, And it, you know, for me, it reminded me of like the first time when I went to a gay coffee shop as a teenager and I felt like, oh my gosh, it's okay for me to like hold my girlfriend's hand mm-hmm. or like kiss her a little bit in the corner while we're having our coffee, you know, and being able to do that in Oklahoma in the late nineties was a very big deal. Um, yeah. And, you know, the the same type of idea about going to my first gay bar, right? When you go to your first gay bar, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a place where I can dance freely. And, you know, with whoever, whatever gender person I'm like vibing with. And, and it, it, for me, it, in those moments in my life, it unlocked a part of me that I think otherwise is, has to be quiet or contained in mm-hmm. the world otherwise but particularly as a young person i just remember times when i when i could open those parts of myself and let them be and i think for nick this is that internal shift for him and i know that you know of course he was doing it with charlie cuz charlie's his yeah. but i see more this moment and why i chose it as more about nick's journey toward that integration acceptance and sort of love and freedom and liberation Oh, that's so lovely. It's so lovely. It's really nice. It's really nice. But it also must have been very affirming for Charlie to be out yes. in the open and to be free to hold Nick's hand and wrapping their arms around each other and just being really affectionate. It's what Charlie has been hoping for for a yes. very long time. Yes. And to finally be able to do that in this city where they have a little bit of anonymity, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But where their people don't know them, they can just yeah. right, they can they're not worried about like is someone from school going to like well I guess there's a couple people That's from it. school on the trip but, but like no one's gonna they don't have to be in the shadows or you know be in a secluded That's picnic right. blanket somewhere that people don't know them they can just be 
That's right. And I love this was one of the moments where we got to see a really playful side of Tao and Elle being really coupley and really loving towards each other as they explore Paris together. It was just really lovely to watch. It's definitely one of the highlights of the episode for me. It's a shame that there's not much dialogue in it, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm sure listeners remember. I'm sure they remember. And it's one, it's the one with the, all of the umbrellas above them, right? Where they're walking and there's all of yeah, the umbrellas that's right. on top of them, which I believe that's is like right. an art installation that's kind of, that goes around. I don't know exactly what it's called, but I do. Yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> we join them. We follow them back to the boys' room as Tao and Isaac leave for the party and Charlie and Nick stay behind to catch a few moments. Let's have a listen. You coming? Yeah, we've got like five minutes before Tara arrives. You go ahead, we'll, we'll meet you there. All right. If you wanted some privacy with Nick, you could just say so. <laughs> you sure you're okay with me borrowing this? As long as you don't steal it like the last three you borrowed, I actually quite like that one. I didn't steal them, I just forgot to give them back. <laughs> you forgot to give them back? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just recharging. <laughs> we could just stay here for a bit. We haven't kissed in like two days. Hmm. Right. Come on. We're gonna be late. <laughs> I hate you. Why don't you like me? I really don't. I really love that moment. My God, it's so adorable. And I know. And, and it's iconic. The recharging part is so sweet it's, and iconic. Yeah, it definitely is. The way that Nick watches Charlie from across the room and then that recharging com- comment, you're right, it just made my heart feel so good. <laughs> like, it was so good. It just It's like the perfect word for what that feels like, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think it it really shows the, like, the safety and the the yes. deepening of the love and the comfort and the trust that they have mm-hmm. with each other and how they rely on each other to be a source of support, but also a source of respite. Yeah, uh, that's right. And and also I was thinking it's almost like a sense of home that they have with each other at this point in their relationship. And oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, yeah it's I, think right. that, I think that is. And and I I'm really glad that they... I'm really glad that they're at that point and just the banter and the level of yeah. ease with which they, the, the comfort is there, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, they're at the point of their relationship where it's not just kind of like, Ooh, a uh, flirty kind of, are we, aren't we flirty? What's going on? It's very That's much it. like we're, we're here with each other. We are each other. We're home. Yeah, uh, you can feel 100%. it. hundred percent. It's a yeah. shift in a great way. It's lovely. It's lovely. One of the reasons that I really like this moment and that I picked it out is because in season one, we only ever see Charlie look at himself in a mirror. We don't see any other members of the cast do that. He's he's the only one that does it. He checks mm. his appearance, looking in the mirror and checking his appearance. It's often tied 
to memories which shape how Charlie sees himself. So when he's remembering things like the library scene with Ben up in his bedroom and the glass shatters, and when he's remembering their first kiss the morning after their first kiss and he's brushing his teeth in the bathroom, we see him in the reflection there. And in this moment, what's really great is that we see him looking in the mirror, um, but the context has changed. Here, Nick is behind him, Nick is embracing him, and they're both so happy. They're both smiling and looking really happy together. And it's almost symbolic of the journey that Charlie's been on um, with Nick from being Mm. in that place where he's looking at himself in the mirror and thinking really negative things Mm. to Mm. now when him him and Nick are together looking at themselves in the mirror and they're just incredibly happy with one another. They're they're incredibly happy. Oh, Jamie, I love that. I love that you're bringing all of that in and bringing in the the reflection, right? It it is how he sees himself. And it's not that he needs Nick and to see himself differently. It's that he's, you know, in a different in a very different place in his life and in a very different moment in his journey and that Nick is a part of that now. And that's brilliant. I really love how you're tracking that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's it's shot so perfectly from behind. Mm-hmm. So you can see both of them in the reflection. It's great. Should we chat about the party? Should we move on to the party? Oh my gosh, the party. Truth or dare, let's do it. Oh, I know. <laughs> Nick and Charlie arrive at the party in full swing. Darcy wants everything to be perfect. It's another moment where everything has to be perfect for her princess she has some vodka which she's she's picked up from somewhere Tara doesn't look too excited whenever she sees the booze and she looks a bit worried when Darcy's pouring drinks out for everybody and I don't know if you picked up on that but she's not impressed at all Oh, she's not happy at all I I kept expecting them to come back to that more that you know she would bring it up the alcohol that she didn't want that as a partier that it made her feel some type of way but uh and Darcy isn't tracking that at all. Darcy's just that's right focused on everybody having fun. And I think also che- she wants it to be perfect, but she's also kind of checking out a little bit is how I read this. Like she's just yeah. like not really attuned, not really connected to anything. She's just she's just like kind of she- on one a little bit, I think. Yeah, that's really interesting. As the party progresses, Ellen and Tao lock themselves in the bathroom, which is super cute. <laughs> so cute. And well, they but they don't lock themselves. That's the problem. That's like, right. <laughs> what, can someone please lock the door of the bathroom? And even when um, Charlie comes in, I think, and, and interrupts them making out. And, so and he's like, get out. And then he t- he pushes them out in a loving way. But then they don't lock the door again. And I'm like, Tao, can, Tao just lock the door. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> Her Isaac is is looking a little bit uncomfortable though, and he takes himself off. He decides to leave the party for a while and sits yeah. out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell there's definitely something going on with Isaac at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, James finds him outside, sitting outside in a part of the hallway, and he tells Isaac that he's been looking for him. Let's have a listen to their chat. There you are. Not hanging out with your friends? No. You? They're just teasing me about Charlie. Do they all think the hickey was you? <laughs> yeah. I told them it wasn't, but... I mean, to be honest, I sort of had a crush on him last year. <laughs> Not anymore, though. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> I do have a crush on someone else, though. Yeah? Yeah. Is it me? 
sorry. Was it bad or? I've just never kissed anyone before, so it's, it's not that, it's just, um, I'm sorry. I really love how this story arc has been written. That was a difficult moment. Oh, it, it's, it, it is a difficult moment. Um, but yeah, for me, first of all, I'm like, I am really excited about some parts of this moment, even though it's yeah. really hard to watch. Like I'm like, go James for putting yourself out there. <laughs> like I know, you know, for it's sure. like, and I think it's it's really cool and not a total surprise to Isaac. And I'm like, yeah. go Isaac for asking, is it me? Like oh, that's I a know. bold move, you know. And I I don't know. I just I think Isaac is so amazing in this season. I love seeing him come into his character coming into himself and his character um and yeah my he didn't have the heart stop the leaves and my heart breaks oh, for this moment in this moment I for know. Him. at the party with james it's like this where do i belong who mm. am i what's going on is there something wrong with me you know like what what those questions that must be stirring in his in his head right I know for sure, for sure. And that's what's so great about the story arc is that it's written to kind of take us on that journey with Isaac. Like here is James who appears out of nowhere and seems to be like Isaac's perfect partner. Like he's mm -hmm. like so into yeah, books. Totally. Um, They get along really well. We always see them connect at parties and things. But actually he doesn't get that heart stop relief moment. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to watch that play out. Um, yeah. It isn't often that we get to see it, this kind of asexual and romantic experience play out in media. That's right. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think that we don't see it very much, very often? I mean, I just think that it's so much, it, it's a, so much the dominant culture paradigm of um, assumptions that everyone is sexual and everyone mm. is romantic and everyone will fall in love with someone and also assumption about monogamy. Like there's a lot of yeah. these kind of social assumptions that are still the dominant culture paradigms in the U S and beyond. And I think that um, ACE and Aero ACE identities are very much and have always been true and there, but are not, I mean, and thanks to shows like Heartstopper are, are just really beginning to come into consciousness uh, yeah. for people who don't know of course for conscious consciousness for people who have been living and like <laughs> yeah. living and being in these ways for so long it's not but for you know sort of mainstream understanding I still think it's really new mm. and um, I think there's so much um, to go up against around these default assumptions that people make about about who who we are as human beings like, oh, yeah. human beings are people who fall in love and, you know, get married and have kids and want all of these things. And and a lot of us just aren't and don't. It's so true. <laughs> it's experience. It's, and it's okay. It's, and and that's Isaac looking around at the party going, look at all these couples. Look at I all know. these people who are kissing. Look at all of these. I don't know where I belong in this. How do you know yeah. if someone who says, I don't know what that feels like. and And actually, I don't feel that. You know, and I think Alice's, you know, prior to this, Alice's book, Loveless, I just really want to plug that here. I don't, Jamie, mm -hmm. have you read that one or Loveless? I, no, it's on my list. 
Oh, it is phenomenal. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners have maybe been able to check it out because we're like, oh my gosh, Alice's books. But uh, Loveless really tells such an incredible ace story uh, with a mm-hmm. protagonist who is on this journey of understanding and acceptance of their own identity and theirs and in the world. And I think like more stories like that, more stories like Isaac's are need to happen <laughs> and, and hopefully yeah. are coming in the and in, in, more mainstream media i hope anyway let's hope so it's such a beautiful story arc to kind of watch play are you as difficult as parts of it are and i'm sure that it is really representative of a lot of aromantic and asexual people's experiences Mm -hmm. that they go on this kind of journey where they start to discover in early relationships that 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 isn't something that they feel all right. So just in case it helps, let's um, let's let's pop a couple of definitions in. We want to offer some common language understanding as we talk about this, because for some of us, it might be new for some of us. For we've sure. been living it and we know it and it's just the, the fabric of our beings. But for some listeners, it might be new information. So just so that we don't get lost in the muddiness of language, um, we can share some and offer some definitions of things. Yeah, for sure. Aroeus is aromantic and asexual. So romantic attraction is attraction that makes people desire romantic contact or interaction with other people. Just like sexual attraction, there are lots of different identities. Um, Alice has confirmed that Isaac has an aromantic story arc. And I think Aroeus story arc, mm-hmm. someone who identifies as aromantic may not experience romantic attraction and they may not seek out romantic partnering. Isn't that right? And um, romantic interest or romantic attraction tends to be experienced on a spectrum in the same way that sexual identities are experienced on a spectrum. Right. And I think it it really is just like everything else, just like a spectrum or a galaxy, right? (laughs) Yes. Different uh, gradations of things for different people. So I think just with, as we're, as we're kind of going through some of these, just like always, if someone's um, if you're in conversation with someone and it's appropriate that you can always like be curious and interested as to what that means for them, right. Without making assumptions the same way. Like if, if I'm talking about my queerness, that, that my queerness might be a very different co- constellation of queerness than someone else's. Yes. queerness, Right. Oh, it's I- all, it's just identities are fun, amazing <laughs> things. <laughs> I love I love the connection with galaxies that it's oh. like a galaxy. It really is. It really is. It is. And I got that from Dean Spade, who talks about the gender galaxy. And I really yeah. love that because I love the idea that gender is just so expansive that it really it, it, it is about it's galactic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Romantic attraction is different from sexual attraction and they can be experienced alongside each other. They're often experienced alongside each other. And um, sometimes they align with each other and sometimes they don't. So right. someone who identifies as asexual may not experience sexual attraction or seek out sexual relationships. But that's also on a spectrum. So some yep. people don't feel sexual attraction at all, while other people develop sexual attraction, maybe after they form an emotional bond, like demisexuals. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sometimes, yeah, you might not experience a sexual attraction to someone until after you get to know them and after you create some other type of relationship with them. So again, getting away from this assumption that people are sexual beings who want to have sex with each other and and do have romantic feelings and that it always happens and it happens in some sort of certain way. It really 
it that's just not the case. Like this idea, cultural idea that you, if you don't have these things, if you don't have a romantic partnership, or if you don't have a sexual relationship, that you don't have meaningful relationships is just absolute. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's absolute crap. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's not true. Look at Isaac. He's got incredible community. He's got incredible that's right. people, and he's brilliant and also like can I please be his friend and we can read books together and have oh, a book club anyway that's neither here nor there be so um, and and I think that the the other thing I really wanted to mention here is Angela Chen's book Ace which is mm -hmm. the one that he ends up really gravitating towards um, and that I think I think Angela's name isn't really, you can't really see it. And some of the shots I was looking to see, but Angela, Chen, that is Angela Chen's book. And okay. if, you know, I'm sure folks know, because if you're like me, you Google all of what Isaac's <laughs> reading and all of the different episodes, but yeah. that is such a, um, for those of us who may not know much about ACE experiences and Aero ACE experiences, reading certainly Alice's book, Loveless, but but Angela Chen's Ace book and Angela Chen's been on some wonderful podcasts too, talking about her book. I think that is um, such a great place to mm. start to continue to do your own like learning and exploring and um, really educating ourselves uh, for those of us who are not Aero Ace identified. Mm, that's a really good tip. That's really good. To... We see whenever Isaac gets back into the party that he's a little upset by his encounter with James. Is is the journey that Isaac's going to take in kind of discovering his identity one that's particularly complex for people? I think because there aren't, this is my guess, and I don't want to speak from the experience because I don't have the experience, mm. but my guess is because there aren't as many cultural markers to turn to and to look toward as like, oh, that could be me, right? Mm -hmm. It's not until Isaac gets to the party where this, you know, incredible human with this incredible art piece that they did about, you know, ace identity. It, there there aren't those markers in the same way that there are now for queer folks and mm -hmm. trans folks, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying that we have enough, we need more, yeah. but there aren't those in the same way, I think, for ace folks. And so I think that there's stigma on top of not having those cultural markers and and not having the language mm -hmm. and understanding a, a lot of times. And certainly that's changing. And I think like young people are really like getting it and yeah. like they're more, which is awesome because so we good. need that. But I think that I could imagine it when I look at Isaac in these moments, utter confusion mm. and utter an utter sense of, I don't know what's wrong with me. I know. Right? That, those internalized messages of it's hard because I should be doing these things, everyone and everywhere, and even the queers around me are doing it. Yeah. So what's wrong with me and why am I not? I can imagine that being part of what might be going on in his head. Again, I don't want to make any assumptions about anyone with lived experience, yeah. lived experience. I'm not doing that. But these are some thoughts that I would that I would have. Mm. What do you, what are your thoughts around that? Gene? Well, we see like in the I think it's in episode seven where Isaac does express that to James that he thinks that he's broken. It's just so sad yeah. to think that mm -hmm. that people feel that way, you know. Yeah. When there isn't, of course, we we know that there isn't a right or wrong way to love or to experience life, you know. That's right. It's really tough. That's right. It's really tough. I felt really sorry for James too. I'm sure like it was really confusing for him as well. Like 
he looks so rejected as Isaac leaves and his lonely little heart stopper leaf. Oh. You know, it's hard. It just drops down. I know. I know. Mm. And I, I really do love James. I really hope we get more James in season oh, three. Do you think we will? I hope so. He's like one oh. of my favorite new characters. I like, I, I yeah, I love James. I think James is great. Really good. He's so wonderful. For sure. I want to I be in a book club with James and Isaac. Yes. That would be like the best thing ever. Yes. We need <laughs> to visit um, James's bookshop, wherever that is. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a great display they have going on. And they have like yeah. a Lokes book in the front. I'm like, I want that whole display. Yeah. <laughs> very good should we move back to the party should we talk about the party again yes of course um nick and charlie have escaped the party onto the balcony they always escape off into little quiet corners <laughs> darcy interrupts their obvious flirting as she puts them to pour them a huge vodka like she pours them a huge drink and um there's a knock at the door and it's harry asking if he can come in should we have a listen to hear what he has to say for himself yeah What, me and my boy come in, yeah? No. What do you mean, no? <laughs> no. I invited you to my party. Yeah, well, no homophobes at my birthday party. Yeah, leave. No. What? Come on, man, everyone's here. Can I not just talk to Nick and Charlie? No, they don't want to talk to you. What do you mean they don't want to talk to me? What do you want? Look, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I know I've said some homophobic stuff in the past, I feel like I know better now, and I'll never say anything like that again. So, we cool? Can we come in? No. I really love that moment. It's so important for Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. And also for Tara, like she's, she says yes. no too. She's like, this is my party. Mm -mm. That's nope. <laughs> right. That's so <laughs> no true. Here. I'm like not having this and, and right for Charlie's empowerment to be able to set that boundary and make it very clear. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that I really love about this season, it comes up with Harry here and also with the other boys, the other rugby lads, is that they always address Nick and Charlie together. Like here, Harry wants <laughs> yeah. to apologize to Nick and Charlie. He doesn't just single right. Charlie out. He wants to apologize to both of them, you know? Absolutely. You're right. That's a really good call. And and listen, I'm so happy that Harry, Harry is, there's mo there's some transformation going on with yes. Harry. And, yeah. and there, there is, you know, there's different moments where he, he kind of comes through a little bit, but what doesn't work is his apology here is really only in service for him to be able to get into the party. That's right. That, that, just, that just ain't going to fly. Yes, I mean, you know, that's right. You know, that's different with if he pulls them aside and like, you know, sets an intention and asks yeah. if they're willing and open to hear an apology and to make amends. That's a different story. Yeah. This is, Hey, I just want to come to the party. Okay, I'm really sorry that I was like, can I come in? You know, yeah. like, no, no, that's not the way to do it, right? It's not the way to do it. Yeah. But I do, it is really nice to see some movement with Harry. It, it, it is there, I think. For sure, for sure. I hope it continues, you know what I mean? One of our yeah, guests last week, if you listened to last week's episode with Leo, he thought that it was Isaac at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower telling Harry to show some compassion, so show some human empathy <laughs> that has pushed Harry over the edge, that that was the little shove he needed, you know? <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Right, right. Because that does happen right before they climb up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's Uh-huh. it. Um, That's good. And he does it too with Emma Jean um, at, the, at the table where he's like, you don't have to, you know, call her that name when Ben is, when Ben and Emma Jean are having that. that's right. There's just a couple of little moments where Harry is like, oh, that was Harry. Did Harry really say that? You know, That's and, right. and, but, but this, you know, and, and kind of the art of, The art of an apology here is is doesn't quite work. And Yeah. the art, you know, and then and then that kind of I think speaks to these bigger themes of forgiveness and what it means to to change and shift and evolve. Yeah. Um I'm thinking about Ben too. And so, but but here, Harry, you gotta do better than this. <laughs> Oh, definitely, definitely. Later on in the party, the teens start playing Truth or Dare, and in a quick My panning goodness. shot, we get to hear little snippets of the conversation, like Isaac confirms that he doesn't have any celebrity crushes. We hear that Imogen and Sahar used to be good friends, but Imogen stopped texting her whenever she got a boyfriend last year, or was it the other way around? Yeah, was it the other Yeah. way around? What happened there? Something. So funny. The bottle lands on Charlie and someone at the party dares him to kiss James and then they dare him to kiss Ben. Really high stakes. Really high stakes. A party game gone wrong. Mm. Yeah, really wrong and so stressful. And it started off being so cute too, but like I when know. Tao kisses Charlie, Oh, it's that's so like one of my funny. favorite cute moments. Yeah. It's hilarious and adorable. Really good. And then it take it does it takes this turn and it kind of hits all these points of like oh James and then and then Ben and uh, it's really uncomfortable and puts Charlie back into the focus Yeah, right that's back right. into the and the spotlight which is extremely uncomfortable. Oh, I know it's hard. And we can kind of like, I was going to say we can thank Imogen for Ben and Charlie being linked and singled out here, but maybe that's unfair. I don't know. She did call them out at the dinner at, at the She restaurant, did. you know, and I, That's true. I think she feels that herself. Like in one of the shots, you see that she looks a bit horrified by what's happening. Yeah. As a forfeit, Charlie is asked a truth and He's asked who gave him the hickey. Let's have a listen to that part of the conversation. Can I do a truth instead? Okay, then. Who gave you the hickey? What? Can we just move on from this? I know who it was. Me. We're dating. Oh, oh my god, I called it. Nick, I mean, how long have you been going out? A few months. Well, we'll say it the other day. I thought we'd have guessed Nick was gay. Yeah. Oh, I'm bi, actually, but yeah. <laughs> Do you want us to keep it a secret? We're okay with people know
Yeah, it's like, it's like, um, it is one of my favorite moments of this episode. And um, it's, it's another moment, like, you know, when he takes his hand in the queer part of town walking yes. around, it's this, it's like Nick embodying and that freedom and that liberation and that love and um, the beginning of them coming out in a different way, mm. but not because of, a. I mean, it was in some ways it may have felt forced, but Nick could have also chosen not to. I think he really, I think this is the time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also like them kind of making an announcement mm. without having to make an announcement. It's just kind of like, this is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> We're dating. That's, that's right. It. That's right. Um, and I was really appreciating listening to the audio this time of when, when the question was asked about who gave him the hickey, how, how people around were like, you know, of course, can we move on? Why are you asking yes. this? But also that somebody could be outed. I heard someone say that or something yeah, like that's that. Right, they do. And just the carefulness of of the community of who's at the party of like, hey, let's be really careful. Let's move on. We don't have to do I, this. I and love then that Nick too. deciding anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that too. It really comes across actually how they were almost a little bit horrified that the question was asked. Like, the whole yeah. way through, yeah. I don't know that like that per extra that had those lines and had to be like the villain in this scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, I know. I'm sure they're a lovely person, really, but yeah, yeah. they didn't. Yeah, they they yeah. were pretty horrible, and everybody yeah. was horrified. You know, whenever they asked, um, Charlie to kiss James first of all, and then Ben, and you know, it was it was um it was great actually to hear how everybody in the room was like almost they almost gasped whenever they ask you know what I mean yeah yes like it was it was like hor horrifying yeah but then also it ended in this just incredibly sweet incredibly sweet way yeah and um and I you know I think I think it was I think it was a really important moment for Nick mm. again in his journey I mean certainly for Charlie too but I just see a lot of this about where Nick is in his in his coming out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Even if it was like another one of those bi actually moments, you know, it was still lovely. <laughs> I love the bi actually, and I know, yeah. right? It's just the there. There's the the assumptions about queerness and yeah, you know, bi erasure. Exactly. Yeah, and and you know, I I don't want to make light of it at all. Bi erasure exists mm. in a major major way, but also every time when Nick says it, I do laugh a little bit because it's, oh, like, it's, it's funny. just kind of funny. Like he has to say it again. Oh goodness! I know. Well, it is funny, and that's kind of why they turn it into a joke is just to draw attention to it. You know, um, yeah, that's right. It works that way, actually. Really, definitely, does. Mm -hmm. definitely. The moment ends in a commotion, as we heard, when Darcy feels a bit sick and they take her to the teacher's room where she promptly throws up all over Mr. Jay's bed. Oh, what a hilarious moment. I really do feel sorry for him and her. Hilarious. I'm like, why didn't they just go to the bathroom yes. where the, no one locks the door? And, uh, you know, I know it happens in the books where they have to run to the teacher's room, but I'm like... I'm like, girl, the bathroom's right there. Just go get sick in the bathroom. It's I just know, funny that it it's is. like becomes even more dramatic. But but then, of course, good reason why there's, you know, throw up on one of the beds. I one know. of the beds is, okay, let's not even go there. Yeah, now. for sure, for sure. In the meantime, Nick and Charlie head back to the room. Isaac and Tao and... The others are sleeping in the girls' room, so they have a little bit of privacy. So Charlie decides to have a little bit of playback. Let's have a listen.
payback. Is this okay? Yeah. Didn't sound very sure. Sorry, um, I, I do like it. It's just, um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to do anything more than kissing. No, I, I didn't think we'd do that right now. Oh. <laughs> I do, I do want to. Yeah, me too. Eventually. Yeah, same. I'd only want to do it if you did, and if you didn't ever want to do it, then I wouldn't either. That sounded really cheesy. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassing. <laughs> I think we both are, to be honest. Why are we like this? <laughs> I have no idea. Pissing's still okay, though. <laughs> That was a really great moment. I couldn't love it more. I really, when Charlie puts his head in the pillow and it's <laughs> like, it's so embarrassing. Why are we like this? It just, yeah. it's so real. It's so real. And like, uh, just something that I can, you know, that the awkwardness of like, what did I just say? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. What am I doing? That feeling, but also in such a sweet, safe, contained way because again the trust between the two of them is there definitely and it's just it's so nice after Nick's coming out experience that you know they get this playful running through the hallways that you talked about earlier on and then they connect again whenever they get back to the room you know it is just mm -hmm. a lovely sequence where we just see them I guess um support each other and and really grow together almost you know what I mean without yeah. sounding too cheesy no, they do absolutely, and and then and then here's a really wonderful moment around consent too. That's right. right. Like he's asking for consent, and then Nick's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "That didn't sound very sure." So he's checking it out, and such a wonderful model of consent. That's right. And then they're beginning to lightly negotiate if they, you know, want to explore any more physical and intimacy with each other, and both kind of agree that that's not what they want to do right now, yeah. but maybe later. And what a great way to just kind of check in about it without it sounding so like weird or clinical. That's or like, right. Um, you know, like it, it just was, so was really cute. like natural and That's like right. oh, okay i do want to do this but then but then it uh, but then they got you know charlie got shy about it chris had to hide his head yeah in definitely i almost love the the awkwardness wasn't about the consent moment the awkwardness was about charlie talking about how eventually he does he does want to you know what i mean it's <laughs> like the awkwardness yeah. didn't surround him asking for consent that wasn't awkward no. you know that wasn't it exactly that wasn't it at all it, it the boundaries part is it was it was very clear and great yeah and you know and and it's just such a great example of how those conversations around consent can just be like really easy and natural and they don't have to be strained that's or right out of place they're just really important to just check it's just checking in that's right? it. and and reading like uh, not just verbal cues, but also nonverbal cues and just really yeah. like getting getting to like, what is it that's that's happening here? And how can we make this moment more consensually better for both of us? Yeah. And, fun and 
Um, That's it. And, and it's and they did. It's very cute. And they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. And also it's awkward. And also it's adorable. <laughs> like they're just they're just doing the thing. And and I'm really glad that this moment happens because I, I think, you know, I, I did, I do have questions about like, uh, are, what is going on with physical intimacy with them? Is that something that they want to explore? And mm. yes, they do. And just not right now. Yeah, that's it. So it's great. It was really good. From there, we cut to the girls room and we see that things have settled down. Tao and Elle are enjoying being close to each other. Tao is being really playful again. <laughs> he puts on Elle's glasses and does it. an impression. It's so funny. <laughs> I do art. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Elle. I do art. <laughs> it is so, oh, he's hilarious. He's so funny. And um, we see Imogen and Sahar getting close to <laughs> Isaac's taking a moment for of quiet reflection on the balcony. And we catch up with Tara and Darcy in the bathroom where Darcy apologizes to Tara for ruining her birthday. Let's have a listen. I'm sorry for ruining your birthday. Hey, it's not ruined. I wanted it to be perfect for you. I don't have to be perfect for you. Darcy, nobody's perfect. I love you. I love you so much. I know it sounds like I don't mean it because I'm drunk. But I really do mean it. I love you. So gross. It's such a lovely moment between the two of them. Yeah. That's so sweet. I mean, we I mean, of course, we we the viewers, I think we know that she loves her, but to really yeah. hear her say it and the acting that that you know is done here that they do it's beautiful. is so beautiful and so real. And I really believe it. I really believe, like, all right. Darcy loves her and she's telling mm. her and and I think you know what I one of the things that spoke to me about this moment is kind of echoing back to Charlie wanting things to be perfect for Nick and Nick's coming out mm -hmm. and Darcy wanting things to be perfect for Tara and like how yeah. that, that responsibility what happens when, with that responsibility um and how things just aren't perfect because everything is imperfect but when we take that on and we overcompensate and we want things to be a certain way. Um, I think that it can really get in the way of us mm -hmm. being able to just accept things as they are, which is things are bumpy and complicated. Like throwing your girlfriend the perfect birthday party is awesome, but it's not going yeah. to change or shift the or take away from the struggles that the two of you are having right now because you're not that's communicating right. so it doesn't yeah, make up that's for right. it it doesn't make it better it's certainly cute uh, yes get it have a good party <laughs> yeah. absolutely but it it doesn't change anything and it can't you know I wonder if Darcy is trying to control something about making something perfect because actually things in her life are pretty imperfect right now they're they're pretty yes. hard they're really yeah. challenging you know and so trying to kind of externally make something perfect to control it because things are not going well is something mm. that I see a lot and I have done too right like let, yeah don't don't look over here just look over <laughs> here at how everything is wonderful you know and yeah, I think it's too right. much pressure it's too much pressure 
um, to, to put on yourself and for Darcy to put mm. on herself. But uh, those are some of my thoughts. What do you think about that, Jamie? Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really great observation, actually. And that is like the party was a distraction for Darcy in a way to take control when, as you say, she lacks control in other parts of her life. And then, of course, there's the the alcohol element, too, doesn't help things. Right. right. It's also an escape from the pain of the moment that she's in and the pain of the moment that she's that they're in together where there's just a lot that's not being said and a lot that's not being expressed and a lot of fear. Mm. And so, and so it's, you know, we're not, I'm not sitting here, you know, judging or blaming Darcy's choices. I totally get it. I think it's a coping, a way to cope, mm-hmm. but also, you know, what are, what are some other ways of support for Darcy? Uh, these are things that I hope in season three, we get to see more of as she mm-hmm. continues to deal with what's going on at home. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We cut to Mr. Farouk and Mr. Jay. They're also having a drink. They're having some wine. This is such a cute moment between them. Let's have a listen. Are you going to report her? Well, she can't get in trouble for having food poisoning, can she? suppose I'd better head down to reception, try and get some fresh sheets. I mean, you could just share my bed. No, sorry. Stupid. Yeah, you said. No. I don't think it's a stupid idea. It's a really touching scene between both of them. It's... I love how vulnerable Mr. Farouk is yes. whenever he uh, whenever he invites Mr. Shea to share his bed, you know. He's so sweet. He's like, oh, 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 mm. never mind. I don't know. You know, it, <laughs> and he did it. It's so bold. I'm so, it I'm is. so proud of, of him for doing that. And it's such a sweet yeah. and tender. It's heart stopping to watch. It's like watching this. It's like a, a reparative um, that's right scene between them where they get to kind of be young together and I think yeah. again the themes of freedom show up here and love and like um, you know get unlocking something I feel something is mm. unlocked with Mr. Farouk here where he gets Definitely. where he just says this and um, they're just letting themselves feel right back yeah. to the back to the previous thing where it's like just what just what it would be like to let yourself feel and it's beautiful and they don't have to figure out what it means just feel i love that yeah. for them and i really love that song deep end that's playing mm. sort of in the background it starts um, in the previous scene and then continues here it's just it's just gorgeous it is it's a really lovely it's a really lovely end to their time in paris you know what i mean like the way that these story arcs are coming together is just really great and that story arc in particular with mr frick and mr jay has been really beautiful to watch so far yeah. it's re- definitely definitely a highlight for me we leave the episode as the team head back on the coach homeward bound back to england tao and l talk about their favorite persian moments darcy looks a bit hungover <laughs> and maybe a bit sad yeah. that the trip's coming to and or anxious that she has to go home to her mum. For sure. Yeah. As Nick rests his head on Charlie's shoulder, Charlie's scrolling Instagram, and he sees the first comments 
about them dating have started to appear under some of Nick's photographs. It's happening. It's bit, mm-hmm. I know. I'm a bit mm-hmm. scared for what the future has in store for Nick and Charlie. Yeah. What are you thinking in this moment as he's looking through this and seeing the comments? Like, what are you worried about for him? Just that he he's going to feel really anxious about it. Like, he mm-hmm. looks very anxious when he starts to read. And the comment isn't a negative comment, mm, but no. it's a question. Somebody's asking, is it true that you two are, you two are dating? Yeah. And uh, I just worry that that anxiety will present itself in mm. um, and intensify the symptoms around his disordered eating mm-hmm. and, and everything else that's going on, you know? Yeah, that's a really good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, on, on social media, it, it it is, right? It's like anything that's can it. happen. And, you know, it is it is sort of a next level for them as they go back and they're and they're and they're leaving the the anonymity of Paris yeah. and coming back to their lives and to their world. That's right. So that's, oh, but phew, we're back into reality, right? It's like going back, coming back home from vacation. It's like, no, do I really have to face all those things that I left behind? And that's it. something that they have to now face in some different way, which of course they, they do and have to navigate mm-hmm. in the next few episodes. But um, this is the beginning. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you included that part. That's, it's such a, um, a thread that's then sort of opening into what happens, what happens next. Yeah, that's it. And I think to a certain extent, a guest, I think it might've been Leo actually, Leo from the Rainbow Project in the last episode said that he thought that maybe Nick's status as captain of the rugby team has somewhat protected them so far in the story arc that if, mm they had have been a different queer couple being so and although they weren't out they were pretty obvious you know what I mean I think so yeah definitely (laughs) yeah and I think that that will play play through into the next phase of their story arc that to some extent they'll be protected by Nick's status he's a really Mm -hmm. popular kid in the school Mm -hmm. although that may be the case Charlie isn't going to feel that protection like he Mm -hmm. will be anxious about what he thinks is going to happen rather than what actually does happen and you know, that in itself, because of his past and um, everything else might be quite difficult, you know. You're absolutely right. And and that's a really, that's a really good call out, Leo, about the, the status piece. And, and just yeah. that, you know, uh, many of us don't, don't have that sort of level of, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, social protection or social, um, I don't know what you would call that. It's something about status that is a protector or ish or could be. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really interesting perspective to think about. Um, and at the same time, we're all just our own people that we, where we have to, like you said, Charlie's going to experience what he's going to experience. And that's right. it's about coping tools. And, you know, we've talked about it a little bit in this episode with Darcy and coping and certainly with, with Charlie and coping as well. And what are what are more like healthier and loving and caring coping mechanisms when we're mm. in pain and what are the ones that we use that might not be as much um, that we want to work on and develop and get support around. And certainly yeah, as I'm thinking right. about what's to come for, for, well, what's already here for Charlie, but also what's to yeah. come for him. I'm thinking like, oh, right. That's, that's a really important part of his story. Yeah, definitely. I'm almost yeah. sad that the Paris trip's over now. No, like we waited so long for the Paris trip and now it's over. You know, know what I mean? I could have stayed in Paris a little bit longer with them for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What are your hopes and dreams for season three? Well, 
It's I a big love, question. It's a big question. I love you. I want the I love yous. I really do. Yes. I love I love yous. First, the first I love yes. yous. Remember that, like in relationship. <laughs> yes. I love I love yous. Um, so I'm such a romantic. I can't help it. Um, mm. I also I I'm hoping for Darcy a lot more about Darcy and Isaac. Um, yeah. And. And I really do hope that, you know, kind of like in the in the books that we we do see Charlie's journey around disordered eating and support and how yeah. that happens in the dynamic of their of his relationship with Nick. Um, and I think if I, I really trust that if they decide to do that, that they're going to do that really well. I feel like mm. disordered eating and Heartstopper has been handled really, really well and very carefully. It has. And I think I just really trust that showing that and showing the next generation of that if they do will be really important and really, I think, yeah. helpful and transformative um, at this level of of attention that the show has gotten. And I'm also really hoping for cute dogs and Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I like Christmas. Okay, I love Christmas. Go ahead. I know. I hope that they do include this winter, like yeah. in in season three. I'm not sure that they will because this season has covered a really short space of time. Mm-hmm. Like I think we've only seen maybe a few weeks of Heartstop in Heartstopperland. This is mm-hmm. maybe three or four weeks. And mm-hmm. um, we start season four with the trip to the beach, the I love you moments. Then we've got Nick's holiday to Magaluf or wherever they go. I don't know where they go. I can't remember. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that we'll get to Christmas. I'm not sure that we'll get to Christmas mm-hmm. in season in season three. Mm-hmm. I hope that we do because that's a, that's a really great story. Like it really is good. Yeah. Em, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest and sharing in this experience with us. I really appreciate it. Jamie, it's just magical. I love talking about Heartstopper. I love every single time that we get to do it. I learn so much from you and your insights every time. I love the connections oh, that you thank make. Thank you. Um, I think it's, it's so... Um, thoughtful and considered and organized and like um oh you're so nice no it's true and also um your love and your joy and exuberance and excitement about the show is beautifully infectious and i feel it when i get to talk to you and it and it reignites the exuberance and the joy and the queer joy that is in me around this show. And so uh, what you're doing is just wonderful. And I just hope you know that. And I don't know if people tell you that. I try to always tell you that because I feel it, but you should just know like this podcast and what you're creating here is really important um, in the, in the world of Heartstopper and and you're making me blush. Oh good, oh good. That's <laughs> it, but it's all true. It's all true. And so, oh, that's you know, so just kind. Know that, and um, and it's just been amazing to talk about, um, Truth or Dare. It's what a great episode. Thank you so much oh. for having me. Oh, it's been a joy. Um, it's always a joy to have you on the show, and you're so kind. Thank you so much. Oh my God, I'm so humbled. Like that's okay. totally mad. Thanks so much, listeners, for tuning in and sharing in this experience with us too. I really do hope that you enjoyed the show. Thanks to everybody who's reached out and gotten in touch. I love that your messages are awesome. I'm sorry that I haven't had a chance to get back to some of you yet, but I promise I will. Um, Make sure you tune in next week. Well, not next week. Make sure you tune in in two weeks' time for episode seven. We have Paula from LGBT Scotland rejoining us again. Um, So look out for that and tune in. Thanks so much again for listening. All that we have to do, Emma, is say goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Today's show is produced by Shut Up World with special guest M. Marinelli and me, Jamie Wilson. Copywritten material within this episode is made available to provide criticism, comment or review and to advance the understanding of issues which impact the queer community. For more information, please see our fair use and fair dealing statement at www.properfullongaypodcast.com.